Welcome to the What Happened to the Cinema Experience podcast. My name's Mason. My name's Spencer. And I'm TJ. Um, so to begin, today we're going to start by talking about the general timeline for the movie industry, starting out way back from the very first movie theater, going up into the present. And then we're going to be talking about some of the more recent developments post-COVID. And then we're going to move into more of the social implications of the movie theater industry and its decline. And then lastly, we're going to talk about the future trajectory, so where it's going in the next couple years. I think to start off, you know, coming back from our presentation, we really tried to look at why Gen Z is mostly impacted by the decline of movie theaters, because we're the last generation to grow up with them. And so we kind of have that balance between what the experience was like going as kids and then now fully transitioning to just streaming, hanging out with a few friends, kind of whether it's Netflix and chill or just kind of getting the episode on Hulu the next day. And it really kind of shows us that this has kind of been a trend for a really long time, even with like Blockbuster and Netflix and really the change of what genres are being released. For example, comedy has kind of gone away from the cinema experience. You've kind of seen like Marvel movies really take center stage and that's driving box office revenue. And that's what also the movie studios are focusing on because they know those can kind of make a lot of money right away. And there's a lot of, <clears throat> there's not a lot of, you know, doubt about that as compared to something that's more like funny or maybe like, you know, old actors are kind of a blast from the past. Mm-hmm. And it kind of brings up your point, Mason, of um, the cost and like the decline of, you know, the in-person experience too. Right. I mean, ultimately we'll get into that a little later in the podcast, but at the end of the day, we are the perfect people to be talking about this subject. As you were talking about, Spencer, we grew up with the movies. We've now all adapted to the streaming services and all our families have the streaming services, I would say. So we fully understand what has happened, why this shift has happened. And I think we're also the most knowledgeable people to talk about the future of what's going to happen. Um, yeah, so getting into it, um, way back in 1902, uh, that was the very first construction of a movie theater. And about 31 years later, in 1933, uh, we had the very first drive-in movie shown. Um, and I think that's a pretty iconic symbol of American, the American cinema experience. Even if the drive-in's not super popular anymore, there's a ton of places where people still go and do it. Um, I know in New Jersey, there's not one in Jersey, but I know in New York, a bunch of people go up to Warwick. Um, not, even if it's not usually popular, yeah. it's, it's, there's very few, but the very few of them being there makes it a fun experience. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so even like, what is it? 80, 90 years later, um, it's still part of the cinema experience to many, um, but it's not the main way of viewing movies anymore. And it's, it's kind of funny because when we, when we really started sitting down and kind of saying, how do we want to talk about this presentation? The first question was, why did people stop caring? You know, how did you go from, you have to go see this movie in, in theaters and then you drive by a movie theater now and it's closed. And it really kind of made you realize that people don't really know what they have until it's gone. And maybe Gen Z, they kind of catch back and say, oh, we want to go back to the movie theater again. Mm-hmm. But it kind of sounds like COVID was that indicator of what industries might die. And one, and even on our presentation, it showed that we had 500 movie theaters closed in the United States. I think whether it's a few companies or just bankruptcies and the only one really that makes kind of a relevant appeal is AMC. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of struggling with their stock price and staffing and kind of getting good movies because you know Warner Brothers for example who they should be working pretty friendly with is taking all their movies and streaming that now Mm -hmm. going straight to streaming devices so that kind of creates a conflict because you want to have your rights to having the movie in theaters and now it's going straight to your tv screen so Mm -hmm. that kind of takes away from like a generate it creates a generational divide 
Yeah, no, and I think your point is like AMC is such a big presence in the movie theater industry. And I think how we see them today kind of goes back to the 1963 shift in which movie theaters were first implemented into malls. Um, because I'm thinking about all of my pretty much local theaters that I went to as a kid, and they were all either in malls or next to malls. Um, and I think that kind of played a big role in terms of like how we experienced theaters right. because we would right. go to the mall, we'd go shopping, you'd go with your friends, it'd be a whole day experience. Um, and even like in terms of like newer malls that are being built, I know a lot of them are still incorporating malls, uh, theaters, even though, the, though some of them may not be as big, like another American Dream um, Mall in Jersey that was just built does have a theater just because it is such a quintessential element to the mall in the American experience. I think that the mall is the perfect place for a theater because you're, you're there already shopping and then you'd be like, hey, we have two hours to kill, let's go kill them, let's go see a movie. Um, the mall, there's so many different options and having the movie option as well is just a huge advantage to it. Mm -hmm. And so, like, yeah, sorry. So um, I think something interesting too, like that's kind of impacted the decline of theaters is a lot of the strict shows that we stream, we're just binge watching. So it's kind of like we're watching a movie within a show and that kind of is taken away from kind of this delayed gratification that you used to have to be in line with when you went to go see a movie. You know, you'd see the trailer in like August and then by December on Christmas day, the great movie with like Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep would come out. So for six months though, you couldn't go on the internet, you couldn't go on like the dark web, you couldn't, you know, like pause the movie and stuff. And so that really is kind of taken away from what it meant to kind of show, to go see the movie, take it all in. And like you were saying earlier about the, the great American mall in New Jersey, that what they wanted to do with that was have 75% shopping, 25% mm -hmm. entertainment. And that's kind of the, the future going forward is you need like, some movie and entertainment appeal, but a lot of shopping and food to kind of merge those two together and keep people locked in one location. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. We've seen that. I mean, we, we also see, it's ironic, because in 1963, the movie theaters went to the malls. But TJ, as you mentioned, even today, we're seeing the movie theaters going to the malls. So you can't just have the movie theaters alone. You need to incorporate it with the shopping in order to drive people there. And looking, looking at it now, I mean, I think the one question to, to consider is like, what are you going to do with all that space now that these movie theaters have closed? And how do you talk about the history of it going forward? Because you're going to have a generation that's grown up during COVID really being in the house, kind of growing up with a screen, but they won't really know what a movie theater is. And so you don't want to like kind of forget the history of communications and film and cinema mm -hmm. and so many of the trailblazers that kind of use that as kind of their avenue for like, you know, grossing box office and their legacy, like Quentin Tarantino or Martin Scorsese, like all those guys, all those great um, directors needed the cinema experience. And so sure, it may be great to see it in your, in your bedroom or even in your living room, but there's always going to be a heart, I think, for movie theaters in a home. And maybe it's, you know, 20 theaters, but they, you'll have them in LA and New York. You mm -hmm. just kind of won't think about it every day. Yeah, no, I think that really brings us into like our next discussion in terms of like where it is today and like the trend and where we're going. Um, because the way in which movies are consumed in general are really different. And I think a large factor in that is just the affordability of movies yeah. today. Um, I remember when we were kids, uh, it, was, it wasn't like as big of a deal to go because it wasn't so expensive. I mean, I always snuck in snacks when I went anyway. Right. Um, but I would always buy a ticket and I wouldn't think, oh, it's the end of the world. I can't afford a ticket. Um, but now, I mean, it's... I wouldn't say very reasonable. Right, I think you brought, you mentioned sneaking in snacks and I think everyone does that, but at the end of the day, that shouldn't need to be a thing. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. you should be able to go to the movie with your family and you should be able to enjoy yourself and have it be an affordable experience. Definitely. Um, at the end of the day, you go to the movie theater with a family of four and five, you're paying at least 
$15 per ticket, you're paying for the food, you're paying for the parking, you're paying for the, the time that you're willing to leave your house to actually go to the theater. I mean, it all adds up and it's turned into a very costly experience. And it kind of brings us back to the societal implications mm -hmm. because you really think about just how many people are struggling with anxiety or really kind of having a connection with somebody nowadays because we do all have a communication through our iPhone. We're all in connected socially. But when you go to a movie theater, you're in the public, you're around people, you're kind of adjusting to their norms, but also kind of how you perform around other people and, and just kind of your presence alone. And that always brought people together because the movie was funny or it was very dramatic or it was very emotional. And I think that kind of connection that we have with everyday strangers, which is what's needed just to kind of like learn about the people around you or the city that you're in, that's really gone. And it, it's unfortunate because movie, movies did that, just like going to a sporting event or any kind of public bonding. And then you also kind of learn, how do I, you know, how do I, you know, take away this movie? How do I, did I meet somebody? Did I have fun? Did I learn something? And you can't always do that in your home with the same people you interact with every day. And, but I think too, coming back to the cost, we're at USC, there's a movie theater a mile away, and there's no discount for college students. You know, in high school, I paid seven bucks, maybe saw a couple movies through the night, maybe 12 bucks for, for popcorn and a, uh, and a soda. Now that's probably doubled because of the costs and the staffing. And so people just aren't gonna care. They'd rather save their money for a concert, a football game, you know, their rent or even going out. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, looking at the stats, I mean, in 2000, the average price post-inflation of a ticket was seven eighty-two. Now it's over $12. And going back to the USC point, I know we used to have the USC Village Theater, uh, which would give student discounts. It was $6 movie tickets for students. And then before 5 p.m., all tickets were, I believe, four fifty. So that just made it more affordable for everyone in the community and made it a gathering place for everyone in the community. And now as the university continues to expand, um, they've kind of taken away that element and that place for people to, to gather, to interact, um, which used to be a really important part to the movie experience. Right, and one of the things too, like thinking about what brings people together is some kind of like film or like a character that overcomes something. And you, you used to always like get, uh, you know, you, have, you know your favorite movie off the top of your head, you know the character, the story, you watched it as a kid, maybe even as an adult. And even in the village, like you were saying, people would go to those movies. People, people here at USC want to see something with new people. I think there's still that search to like meet people, get out of their, get out of their comfort zone, put themselves out there. I know that's the only way I've learned based on my experience here so far. And it's not really available. And it's probably happening at UCLA or other universities in the Midwest and back East. And in those towns, there's not a lot of movie theaters because you know, there's, there's really just probably a lot of educational for purposes and that's it. Mm -hmm. And so the big cities, they're really the only places left to have these movie theaters, but what's there to go see, you know, besides mm -hmm. Top Gun for the fifth time. Yeah, right. definitely. I mean, even I was just, I'm just looking at on my screen right now, there are movies that are coming out in December that I'd, I'd love to see. Avatar, there's an animated night at the museum. At the end of the day, I, I want to see these movies, but I don't want to pay. Right. So it's like, right. you got to weigh the pros and cons to go and see them. Yeah, I remember, I think it was like two weeks ago, or no, it was longer than that now. The last time I went to the movies, I checked my balance after. I spent almost $40 yeah. just going to the movies and like getting some snacks. Right. Absolutely ridiculous. And that's for two Crazy. people. You take a family, you yeah. raise it 100 bucks yeah. with <laughs> dinner probably too. It was, uh, no, it was insane. So yeah, going into more recent, um, you mentioned earlier, Spencer, that we had over 500 movie theaters closed post-pandemic. Um, and overall, ticket sales are largely down. We had a number of really big films come out in 2020, the summer. Um, but only less than 17% of available tickets were sold during the summer of 2022. And that's with movies like Top Gun, uh, with films like Nope, 
tickets to paradise. Um, and so I think it's really interesting that we're not seeing this decline in ticket sales, even though some of these films are doing pretty well. Like we saw Top Gun was the fifth highest selling movie in North American history. So obviously it's, some of these films are being successful, but they're not producing the same type of presence um, across the board. Movies are not producing the same type of presence across the board as they used to. And especially to that point, like, you know, you, you used to kind of have, you know, a budget for, you know, say 40 million and your box office sales would be 200 million. Mm -hmm. And now a lot of these Marvel movies budgets, maybe hundred million, 200 million, but they gross, you know, a billion. And it kind of really, they're making these films because the international impact. And, you know, I think Marvel has really kind of shown that they, or, or even Fast and Furious, like they really want to make their money back. And so sometimes a comedy film or a drama or a rom-com for American people may be great, mm -hmm. but at the same time, everybody else overseas wants to see another Fast and Furious with Dwayne Johnson and, and um, Vin Diesel, you know, mm -hmm. and that's kind of taking away from the sales of, of movies recently. Right, and also I think people only actually want to go to the theaters where these movies, they're putting in the time and effort to produce a great movie. So we talked about Top Gun and now it has, I don't know, 100 million or whatever it was, budget. Avatar 2's budget is 250 million. So at the end of the day, right. people will go to the theaters to see these big movies, but when you have a movie theater with 10 different theaters and you can only fill one of them, you cannot expect that theater to stay in business. Mm. Definitely. And yeah, I think that's also interesting as Spencer wrote up and just Mason too at that point, is like the difference in American versus international markets. Spencer's highlighting that a lot of these films are doing really, really well abroad. And some of the, the films such as Nope are now targeting abroad audiences. This was like the worst um, film for Jordan Peele domestically, but by far the best internationally in terms of Nope. Um, so I think it's an interesting thing to keep in mind because even when I was abroad over the summer, both times I went to see a movie, one was weeks after it had originally come out. Um, and it was packed to the brim. And so I think that does demonstrate a cultural difference in that people are still walking around malls in other countries where they're still going to these theaters to interact and have that social element. Where in America, I feel like we've kind of lost that. And we've definitely seen that shift into more streaming-based consumption. Looking back at the, at the pandemic and kind of what people were thinking about every day as, what they, as all the things we've lost, the everyday interactions, the, the spaces to gather, I don't really remember one person, whether they're old or young, saying, I really miss going to a movie theater. Mm -hmm. You know, you miss going to a sports game, you miss your friends, you miss going out to restaurants, you miss going to the beach if you were in Los Angeles, you miss, you know, traveling or celebrating with people, but mm -hmm. you didn't hear a lot of people say, you know what, I really miss the movie theater. Um, and I think that really is kind of an indicator that people can kind of live without it. And, you know, kind of going to the final point of our podcast here, there's, there comes a moment when, like, what can movie theaters do? Do you think TJ and Mason, they can kind of partner with Hulu and Netflix and say, hey, let's have, you know, our customers pay a monthly service, like $9.99, a monthly, you know, bill or whatever, who can, and they can go see movies, and then they're not having to be, you know, taken advantage of and, and price gouge for $12 movie here. And, and, that, and maybe, there's, maybe they're considering that, maybe it's already happened, but that might be one of the only choices left. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point you bring up with the streaming services ultimately, you know, having deals with these movie theaters. We've already seen in downtown Los Angeles, Disney and Amazon have theaters there. And when they show their films there, they turn into a full day celebratory event. So they have different characters from the movie in costume. They have merch stores. They have, you know, different gifts that you can buy for people. So now not only when you go, are you going to be paying for the movie theater, but this cost that you're paying may actually be worth it because you're having a full day experience there, you're getting to talk with other fans of the movie. So I ultimately think if not within the next, 
you know, few years that we won't see individual movie theaters owned just by themselves, but we'll see Amazon and Disney's own all these theaters. Yeah, definitely. I'm actually thinking back to like my personal favorite film experiences and like times I went to the the cinema. And I think one of my favorite was when I went to a film festival and it was definitely more of an interactive experience. So you got to meet people who worked on the film, you got to have Q and A's and you got to interact with other people who were just interested by the film. So I think that maybe that definitely is a potential for companies to consider more that interactive element. And also in terms of the membership, I actually know for a fact, uh, my mom used to have a membership to AMC where you could see monthly movies. Um, and so you got to see like a bunch of movies, but then they realized it wasn't economically sustainable. Um, with the model that they had released. So maybe it is something of the future. Um, I just didn't really work in the past for them. So who knows, who knows, what do you think? Well, it's funny because as we, as I was thinking kind of like some of the articles we were referencing and one of them, that one of them that we have is um, from Vox and the title is Movie Theaters and the COVID Reopening. And the article cites David Dobkin, who was the producer and director of Wedding Crashers. And he says, quoting here, you're in the theater and people are laughing so hard and the whole place is rocking. You just forget that that's the beauty of the communal experience. In some ways, comedy is more legit in the theater than other experiences. Mm-hmm. And it kind of takes us back to like, we grew up in this era of like Vince Vaughn films and Owen Wilson, and even sometimes Zac Efron and like, you know, Bradley Cooper and The Hangover. And those actors as they age are not really kind of jumping back into the prime of their career for those kind of movies. And so it kind of brings us to people maybe do want to, you know, pay 15 bucks a month at AMC if there's their kind of genre and content mm-hmm. being released. And maybe that arrives with a new kind of generation of actors from Gen Z or from, from the millennial generation, but it's just not there yet. And I think that it shouldn't just be Marvel because people do need to laugh. They do need to kind of make fun of, you know, laugh at themselves and laugh with spaces of other people. And right now that's kind of not happening. I think another thing we need to also look at is in one of our class readings in week four, Nate Alexander in Cater to Your Future Self, Netflix, uh, Predictive Personalization and Mathematization of Taste kind of talks about how Netflix is so successful because it has the ability to you know understand users' tastes and then they have the recommended for you page on Netflix. So you can fully go to that and Netflix will give you movies to watch. So the question is, and I don't even know if we can even answer this question, but how can movie theaters do that same thing? Mm-hmm. How can they personalize it to everyone or personalize it specifically to people to draw them to the theaters? And I don't know, I, that's a hard question. I, I don't even know if we can answer Yeah, that. I mean, I- Again, I think that kind of goes back to like, what is the purpose of movie theaters though? Is it to create like a unique experience for everyone or is it to create more of that communal space where people can find more of a communal identity, right? And communal gathering space. Um, so I don't know if it really even can do it, but also should it is another another question to ask. And, and you, you kind of think about, you know, whether you're from, you guys being from the East Coast and mm-hmm. me being from, from LA, there were always spaces and communities where they would screen movies during the summer. You know, kids mm-hmm. would socialize and bond and the parents would have a good time. They could drink and socialize and the kids could just, you know, watch a good movie from, like, you know, that we all maybe grew up with and they grew up with too. And really that is not talked about nowadays. And I, I just kind of wish that like you could be able to say, you don't want to, you know, be a movie theater company and be like, we want to build data on our customers like so many of these companies do. That's probably not the most attractive, um, you know, thing going forward. But there needs to be some kind of realization of like, what do people want to go see? They want to see, you know, conflict or drama. You know, what do teenagers like? You know, can we make something like, you know, Stranger Things or something like All American and put that into a film? Or is that just kind of recycling things from the past? And that's kind of where the crossroads is for the producers, for the movie companies, and also for the actors too, who kind of, you know, want to be creative, I think. 
Right, and also, you talked about, we just, you brought up some TV shows, and now I'll dive into a little of what can the movie theaters do besides movies, and currently I'm watching The White Lotus, and that, that comes out every week on a Sunday, and like, I was just thinking, I would honestly be very interested if a movie theater was to show the weekly episode, I would be very interested in going to the theater to watch with other fans instead of just watching by myself. So movie theaters, I think, can take advantage of these huge, huge screens that they have because who wouldn't want to watch anything on that? They can watch sporting events, they can play video games, or I just mentioned they can watch TV shows. I mean, movie theaters can fit 50 to 100 people. So what, like, at the end of the day, I think a lot of people would be driven to the theaters to watch other stuff than just movies with fans who share the same interests as them. Yeah, I mean, I'd absolutely go to a World Cup viewing party in a movie theater. Like, <laughs> that'd be so fun. Absolutely. Um, and also, I'm thinking back to, like, not that I ever saw it, but, like, I know Euphoria was a pretty big deal. And a lot of people had, like, Euphoria viewing parties that were, like, tons of people just to watch it and experience it together. And so I think that's a really, really interesting idea in terms of where where the industry can potentially go. And, you know, closing on this, thinking about, like, what it means to kind of, you know, go from, you know, your house to the movie theater. It's a, It's similar to retail. You know, people may think like brick and mortar stores are going to disappear and there's a retail apocalypse. But for people, whether you're a boy or a girl, you want to go buy shoes. You want to try them on. You want to try on try on the new shirt or the new dress. And the same thing is kind of similar to movie theaters is you want to be a part of a situation where you can be with people. You can kind of take in that experience on a big screen. Like that's what you pay money for. You don't always want to do that in your house in a very kind of small area for a lot of people who are in an apartment or just kind of barely getting by. A movie theater is a big treat for them and, and it should be going forward. Yeah, so I think the movie theaters definitely will stay around, but it'd be interesting to see where they go in the future. This wraps up our podcast. I'm Spencer. I'm TJ. And I'm Mason. Thanks for listening.